This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Ian, we, uh, we actually missed out on an opportunity in the it's a, a great opportunity here, and I want to talk about it now. Uh, when we got done recording our last podcast, we obviously were incredibly excited about Steve Atwater being elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and so we were we were having conversations about that. And then after we got done recording, and I think it was the next day, uh, it was announced that Steve Atwater had selected uh, running mate Dennis Smith to be his presenter at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and. Uh, I tweeted about it. I, I think you also tweeted about it a little bit. Uh, we have had Steve on the show, and his sort of main point about Dennis Smith was just how important he was to his growth in the NFL. So kind of some some news that's not really news, but something we wanted to touch on was just the idea of, of Dennis Smith being Steve Atwater's presenter at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and, and how cool that is. And, and I think what a what an honor it is uh, for Steve to extend that to to Dennis and and really pay homage to a guy who was a, a great Bronco for a long time. And one that I think is the most undervalued, underappreciated member of the Broncos perhaps ever because Dennis Smith 
was so freaking good. Ryan Green, who's uh, a videographer with CBS4 in Denver, when the announcement came out that Steve was going to have Dennis Smith be his presenter, he went through the CBS4 archives in Denver to have some highlights of Dennis Smith. And for those who haven't weren't weren't fortunate to watch Dennis Smith when he played for the Broncos, check out those highlights because he was so good. He was so good. And think about this. He not only played with Steve Atwater, but when Dennis Smith was at USC, his running mate was Ronnie Lott. Think about that safety duo when you're in college football going against the guy who most consider the best safety ever, and then Dennis Smith. And Ronnie Lott will tell you that Dennis Smith was so freaking good. So I think it's I think it's awesome that Steve did that, and Dennis viewed it as just a huge compliment. He was blown away by it. He wasn't expecting it. I think he it's said just, he almost passed out when he heard. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's going to be awesome to see one of the best safety duos in NFL history get back together again at Canton, Ohio. And I think Dennis Smith is one of those people who is deserving of being in the Hall of Fame because he was just that good. As as we've said about Champ Bailey, when you watch a guy like Dennis Smith, he makes it look easy. He makes it look easy. And I remember watching him as a kid thinking that. He could do everything. He could cover. He could tackle. He could play in the pass. He could play in the run. He did everything. And he was the guy who set Steve Atwater up to teach him how to play the game, how to be a professional, how to be a Hall of Fame safety. And it was Dennis Smith who told Steve Atwater to go high on Christian Okoye. That's right. Uh, he He's told that story several times, told it with us. Uh, it, Dennis Smith let him know, hey, go get him. Uh, go high on him. Take him down. And, and he did. And now we have that incredible highlight. I think the other thing to remember is when you watch those highlights of Dennis Smith, he was every bit the hitter that that Steve Atwater was. They both were, I mean, they terrorized, absolutely terrorized defensive backfields because it was scary to go across the middle against those guys. And if you get a chance, seriously, if you get a chance, go look at those highlights and just, just watch. Just watch how Dennis Smith was the type of player that wasn't afraid to just lay you out. You know, the other thing I noticed, and it was interesting to watch these the, the highlights, and this is kind of off topic, but if you watch the highlights of Dennis Smith and you watch the highlights of Steve Atwater, none of their hits are dirty. They don't lead with the helmet. They don't they don't head They hunt. don't lead with their shoulder. They, they lead with their forearm. They, they, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like when you look at, at tackling and the things that guys get, get thrown out for nowadays, helmet-to-helmet contact, those kinds of things, you, you rarely see it from Steve Atwater or Dennis Smith. I'm not saying that they never hit anybody helmet to helmet, but it wasn't wasn't what their aim was. And they would just destroy guys without going for their heads. And and to me, that's really interesting to see that in the 80s, right? In the 80s and 90s, when it was okay to really do a little head hunting and, and go after guys. You can't do that now. They would have fit just fine. They would have been just fine in this era of having to be careful with where you hit guys because they seem to have a pretty solid idea of what the right target was when going in and making tackles and so uh, again 
very cool that that Steve selected Dennis to be his presenter, and it is. It's two Hall of Fame caliber, caliber center or centers safeties. We'll talk about that in a minute. That are going to be standing there in Canton, one presenting the other, and really, like you said, uh, perhaps even one making the case that the other should also be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'll go a step further and say Dennis Smith wasn't only the equal to Steve Atwater in hitting, he was the equal to Ronnie Lott since they played together. Dennis Smith was equally as enforcive and physical as Ronnie Lott was for the 49ers defense. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. And I I think it's one of those things where it does get lost in the shuffle. Uh, You know, we, we know as Bronco fans that the hall of fame is, uh, is something that we've always looked at as, as maybe not for Denver, but Things are certainly opening up. If you look at the stats, we've had uh, members of the Denver Broncos going to the Hall of Fame uh, multiple times over the course of the last few years. It's been, uh, it it actually has been getting much better, and it looks like obviously next year as well with with Peyton Manning being uh, being eligible, he'll be a first time first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, and and he's a he's just as much a Denver Bronco as he is uh, an Indianapolis Colt. So we're going to lay claim to that as well. So. I think you'll start to see more Broncos players get in, and it would be nice if you start to see some of the older players, like a Randy Gratishar, like a Louis Wright, uh, like a, potentially a Dennis Smith, and maybe this will be one of those things that puts his name back into the minds of some of the voters. And Carl Mecklenburg. Thank you. I could play it. all seven spots on the front seven. Sorry, that's my fault. I should have should have mentioned Carl. I think another guy who has a great opportunity to get in, and I talked about this with Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright on Broncos Country Tonight last Friday, is Mike Shanahan, especially with Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson getting in. I think Mike Shanahan is going to be right there as somebody who could be uh, a coach or contributor for 2021 to be with Peyton Manning. And then Randy Gratishar, as the seniors nominee, should be – somebody who moves forward in that respective class of the Hall of Fame selection. So absolutely Peyton Manning. And I think Peyton Manning is like Brett Favre. I think I think Peyton Manning's case is probably easier than Brett Favre's. I think you just stand up and say, PFM, and sit down. You could, Or just the sheriff, and then sit down. You know, something something very simple. Yeah, uh, Legwald, is, is, well, who will present him? And, and maybe that's something they'll get into. Legwald could do it. Uh, I don't know who presents for for the Colts, but maybe they do it together. They like they could hold hands and sing Kumbaya, and instead of singing Kumbaya, they could sing Peyton Manning, something like that. They could. I, I can't remember who his name is. I can see his face. He's with. Uh, he was with the uh, the paper in Indianapolis for a long time, and I think I don't know if he's moved to the Athletic now or not. Uh, but he obviously has done a great job because he got Edger and James in for the 2020 class to join Steve Atwater. So, I, yeah, Peyton will be there. I think Mike Shanahan has a really good chance. Bill Cowher has said that he thinks Mike Shanahan should join him, and obviously we agree. And it would be fitting because I think Mike Shanahan is going to be the sole inductee into the Broncos Ring of Fame this year when the the Ring of Fame committee meets in the next month or two to pick uh, who will be – uh, the Ring of Fame inductee. I, 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 we've gone over this a year ago, but I think Broncos safety Steve Foley should be somebody who gets inducted into the Broncos Ring of Fame, being the all-time leader in interceptions. 
See, it seems like a no-brainer. We've talked about it. It does seem like a no-brainer, though. Absolutely. You know, another one, and and I'm I'm gonna sort of, I'm not gonna call it a pivot. We're just gonna adjust our our gaze a little bit. Uh, another area that seems to get overlooked for the Broncos is the offensive line. And there was a tweet that was tweeted out. Who, who was it? Mile High Memories. Is that who tweeted it out? Yes, uh, that's who. That's who had it. Exactly. And and it was it was in reference to Denver Broncos center. Tom Nalen and his stats and his, and really his, uh, I guess his resume for why he should be in the hall of fame. And, and I, I posed this question to you and, and I, I'd love to hear your answer to it. Um, because I think it actually makes a difference. If you recall, think back older, older, uh, listeners of the show will, will remember this. I think uh, experienced experienced. That's a nicer way to say that. I like that experienced listeners will remember during the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, there was a rule that the offensive line had that said that you were not allowed as an offensive lineman to talk to the media. They did the not Broncos. talk to the media for the Denver Broncos. Right? Exactly. For the Broncos. And my question to you was, does that hurt their chances of getting into the hall of fame because they had no media presence, right? They didn't, they didn't talk to anybody. And I, I, not that it was a slight, but just sort of, I think media members have a tendency to take those things personally at times. And while this was just their rule, right? If you talk to the media, you got fined and that's just the way that it was. Do you think it hurts their chances when, when guys are looking at individual players who played for the Broncos on the offensive line and if they have a shot at the Hall of Fame? I think it could be a factor, but when you look at the resume for Tom Nalen and compare him to somebody who got inducted a year ago and Kevin Mawai, who played around the same time as Tom Nalen, I have no idea why Tom Nalen is not in the Hall of Fame. I really don't. Because when you think about this, and, and I've said this before too, when you, link, when you look back at the, the arguments that selection committee members for the Hall of Fame made against Terrell Davis, it was that, well, they continued to have success running the football even after Terrell Davis. They were, they, they, they were seemingly able to plug in anybody in that backfield and rush for 1,000 yards. I remember that argument vividly. I, I, to this day, I remember it from Peter King from to, to other members of the selection committee. That was the argument held against Terrell Davis. So why isn't that the argument for Tom Nalen? Because when you look at his resume, it is just as good as Kevin Mawai's. And his 13 seasons as a starter, the Broncos rushed for a, a, a thousand yards 11 times with six different backs. And in his final year, the Broncos didn't have a thousand yard rusher, but Tom Nalen only played in five games after he had his season ended by a torn right biceps. Nalen was the blocker for Terrell Davis at the time, only the fourth running back in NFL history to rush for 2000 yards in a single season. Kevin Mawai, Blocked for a 2,000-yard rusher with the Tennessee Titans in Chris Johnson. Tom Nalen, as the center for that offensive line that could 
block for a thousand yard rusher for seemingly anybody finished in the top 10 in the NFL rushing nine times in Nalen's 13 seasons as a starter. The three other times the Broncos finished in the top 10. So every single season Tom Nalen blocked in the NFL, the Broncos finished in the top 10 in rushing. Like Kevin Mawai, Tom Nalen was a three-time All-Pro. Unlike Tom Nalen, or unlike Kevin Mawai, Tom Nalen won two Super Bowls. So when you look at their careers and you look at their resumes and the accomplishments that Kevin Mawai had and Tom Nalen had, Tom Nalen was just as good as Kevin Mawai. Their resumes are nearly identical. The difference, Tom Nalen won two Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to argue against that. And and it's it's sort of a fascinating way of looking at things. Uh, when you start to compare guys and you start to compare their careers, uh, you know, I, I pop over to football uh, reference or profootballreference.com, and they've got that similar player score thing that they do. And if you look at the players for each year that Tom Nalen played, every single year that he played, one of the – at least one and usually more, except for two of those years, there are Hall of Fame offensive linemen on the list that his career is similar to. And Kevin Mawai is on this list several times. So it's one of those things where if you're going to focus on just one player, I think Kevin Mawai is a good player to focus on, but he's not the only Hall of Famer that that Tom Nalen's career is similar to. You've got Steve Hutchinson on this list. Ron Yeri is on this list. You've got Dermani Dawson, who is on this list. Walter Jones is on this list. Willie Rofe is on this list. So these are offensive linemen who are in the Hall of Fame who have similar careers to Tom Nalen's. And Tom Nalen, like you said, is one of those guys who blocked for a 2,000-yard rusher, who won back-to-back Super Bowls as the center. He's the guy who snapped the ball to John Elway. That's kind of important to get the ball to John Elway. you got to give him credit for doing that. This is a guy who certainly deserves to be within the realm of the Hall of Fame at minimum and deserves to have an actual, I guess, an actual presentation made about him. It's not going to happen for a while, more than likely, if it does happen at all. Because... Again, these guys didn't have a media presence. But that offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the history of the NFL. And I'm not sure why. And you brought up a really good point. If Terrell Davis was discounted because of how good the offensive line was, then the offensive lineman should have been in the Hall of Fame. If you're telling me that the reason Terrell Davis had to wait is because I could have rushed for 1,000 yards behind that offensive line, then that offensive line itself should just be in the Hall of Fame. And it's not. You have Mike Zimmer, who who certainly deserves to be in. Mike Zimmer? Gary. The Gary, head coach of the Vikings? Yeah, guy coach for the Vikings. Gary Zimmerman, excuse me. Good lord. It's you know, it's it's late. It's like, you know, super late for me. Not really. But you have you have Gary Zimmerman who's in, but that's it. That's the only guy. How does that work? There was only one offensive lineman on that great offensive line. It doesn't make any sense. But again, you go back to the idea that this is, we're talking about the Denver Broncos, and they've been sort of on the outside looking in for a long time. 
However, with some of the, the recent developments and the fact that the Broncos are starting to get more representation, Tom Nalen is certainly a guy who deserves a look. Well, especially when you look at guys like Tony Baselli or you look at Alan Fanica. Alan Fanica was one of the guys that a lot of people thought was going to get in to make it. I mean, it's getting to the point now where it's the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame. That's basically what it is. I mean, it's ridiculous. But if you're going to say Alan Fanica is a Hall of Famer, Tom Nalen is a Hall of Famer. If you're going to say Kevin Mawai is a Hall of Famer, Tom Nalen is a Hall of Famer. If you're going to say Dermani Dawson is a Hall of Famer, Tom Nalen is a Hall of Famer. And Gary Zimmerman was the first left tackle for the Denver Broncos in John Elway's tenure, the first guy to protect his blind side. Gary Zimmerman didn't block for the 2,000-yard rushing season of Terrell Davis. He retired after that first Super Bowl in San Diego. The one consistent over the Broncos rushing consistently for 1,000 yards and being in the top five and being in the top 10 in rushing from 1995 to 19, to 2007, aside from Mike Shanahan, was Tom Nalen. I mean, yeah, he was the guy. He was the guy. And and it's funny because you forget, or, or I don't know if you forget, but maybe people don't remember, which would be forgetting, how important the center is. The center is, is a lot of times the center is the guy who calls out the protection. The center is the guy who, uh, you know, is, is, is the one who's sort of the captain of the offensive line. That doesn't happen that way all the time, but I, I mean, Tom Nalen was certainly one of the most important players on that offensive line. And again, I go back to the 2000 yard rusher, the, the constantly having a thousand yard rusher for the Denver Broncos when he was playing center and winning back-to-back Super Bowls, five-time Pro Bowl, two-time All-Pro, I think three-time All-Pro, two-time first-team All-Pro, this is a guy who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. This is a guy who deserves a look. This is a guy whose career lasted longer than a guy like Jimbo Colbert, who just got in, who only played eight seasons. Now, I know and only went to two Pro Bowls. And only went to two Pro Bowls. And in slightly different positions, I understand that. But it's still offensive line. It's still, it's still sort of one of those things where you look at it and go, you know, this is a guy who deserves a look. He deserves a look, and he hasn't had one yet. And and hopefully that'll change. Like I said, we get into these conversations about the Hall of Fame. I think it's getting better, and and I I like that it's possibly getting better. But this is one where uh, I, I would I would be on board with a, with a push for Tom Nail, and I'd be fine with that. And let's we haven't even talked about the postseason success. We mentioned the two Super Bowls, but Terrell Davis is widely regarded by me and by you as the best postseason running back in NFL history. That's widely regarded. If it's you and me, it's widely regarded. Absolutely it is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but there's someone blocking for him. Someone had to open up those lanes. That's Tom Nalen. That was Tom Nalen leading the way as the center or the anchor for those offensive lines that won two Super Bowls to pave the way for Terrell Davis. So I, I abs- to me, it's added to the list of Randy Gratishar and Louis Wright and Carl Mecklenburg, Steve Atwater finally getting in, Rod Smith not even getting acknowledged. Greatest undrafted free agent wide receiver in the history of the NFL, period. And Tom Nalen was a seventh-round draft pick. Yep. 
I mean, he was a center, right? Centers are usually pretty low on the totem pole of the drafting. And yes, I know the lower place on the totem pole. Don't give me that. So you make a really good point. And it is, it is one of those things where I think that we're seeing a shift. I'm going to be a little more positive about things here. I do think we're seeing a shift, although I would have liked that shift to have included a Randy Gratishar and the senior committee, uh, senior selection committee or whatever getting in this year, but but that's not what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll wait on that. But it, it, is, it is time to take a look and see what happens. The other guy that we haven't talked about, and I'm just going to mention him, I don't think we need to get into it, is Stink. Mark Schlereth was an offensive lineman for two of the best offensive lines in NFL history. He was a hog. He played with the the Washington Redskins, won a Super Bowl with them as as a member of the Hogs, and then came over to Denver and, and was uh, an, an important player on that offensive line as well. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just giving him a little just giving him a little love because he certainly deserves it. I think the reason that he'll never get it is because he peed himself. Yeah, that's never good. You, you, when you pee yourself on purpose, <laughs> people usually frown on that just just a little bit. Like, well, I, mean, I mean, for those who don't know the story, there is actual rationale behind it. Like, why am I going to go into the locker room and take all this stuff off when I can just go here? It's it's a good point. I'm not saying that it, it's it doesn't make sense or it's not logical. I'm just saying it's gross. <laughs> it's just it's just gross. That's all. And, the, and which is why his nickname is Stink. Which is why his nickname is Stink. Absolutely. So, all right, we do. Let's talk about some some football news. Uh, a little bit of football news with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos hired uh, John Pagano to be their what? What is it? Uh, defensive line coach, offensive. Uh, def- say it. Linebackers Outside coach. linebackers. Thank coach. you. Outside linebackers coach. That's a that's a good hire. It's a bad hire. I mean, what is your thought on that? I I think it, it is a good hire given that. He's another experienced coach coach that uh, Vic Fangio is adding to his staff. And he's coached some great pass rushers. He's He coached Khalil Mack in Oakland. He uh, coached um, Jadavian Clowney in Houston. He, had, I mean, he, he's been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. He's coached in the National Football League for over 20 years. And he and his brother are from Fairview. They worked for the legendary uh, – High school coach in Boulder, their dad. Um, so the Pagano John, family, right? John Pagano is coming home, but it, it, it just it adds another experienced coach to the staff, and I'm actually excited to see what John Pagano can do working with uh, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and the other Denver edges, because it, it wasn't just Jadavian Clowney. He he worked with Whitney Merciless. Uh, probably worked with J.J. Watt to some extent, depending on where you put J.J. Watt, since he's usually playing defensive end. I'm not sure if they included him as an edge guy for the for the Houston positional uh, meetings. But I, I just I, I'm excited to see what John Pagano can bring to this defense, and he has experience working with Fangio. I think it was 2000, the early 2000s, when they were together with the Indianapolis Colts. So it's I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this coaching staff is able to do because it's not just John Pagano. They also obviously brought in Pat Shermer and Mike Shula. So they now have probably the most experienced coaching staff in the National Football League. I mean, I don't really have much to add to that other than it is a, a sort of an interesting experiment if you think about it. Uh, the, the more that 
the more that you watch what the Denver Broncos are doing with the coaching staff, since they hired Vic Fangio, there is clearly a push from starting with John Elway, but then once Vic Fangio gets in and he takes over, it's this push to go out and get experienced, successful uh, coaches who are capable of bringing that experience with them and imparting that uh, with you know the team. And so this experiment, that's kind of what I'm looking at it as, this experiment of can the uh, can the Denver Broncos find success and create success with an experienced coaching staff? Can that happen in a way that uh, brings them back to the playoffs? I, I'm actually very excited to see how this all goes because of all the experience. Well, it, it, and we've mentioned this when they hired Pat Shermer and Mike Shula with the dichotomy of two young guys and Rich Scangarello and T.C. McCartney, it's, you now have, you've moved from that edge of the spectrum to now extreme veteran because they, they've both Shula and Pat Shermer been in the league a very long time and have experience working with multiple quarterbacks and developing them. So I I look at what Andy Reid and the chiefs were able to do because I think the lone not veteran coach, but because he, he's been in the league a while, the lone not extreme veteran coach that Andy Reid has on his staff is Eric Bieniemy. Everyone else is a pretty much experienced, been around the league a long time coach. So he's able to connect with the younger players and the changes going, implementing, connecting, talking to them. He's able to reach that. I, I think so. It's going to be interesting and fun to see what Vic Fangio and the staff are able to do. And obviously, when you still have Mike Munchak on your staff, you have a leg up on pretty much everybody in the league with, in terms of that positional coach. So it, it, it's going to be. I'm with you. It's going to be a fun experiment. But I, I and I'm also looking forward to seeing what they're able to do with what they currently have and then what they bring in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do this. That's I, I like that conversation, but let's do this. Let's take a short break. Uh, and when we come back, there's some interesting quarterback news that we can definitely talk about that has to do with the AFC West and, and has to do with just the makeup of the NFL in general. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The bit of news with the quarterback front is we're no longer going to have the Denver Broncos Philip Rivers rivalry that we've had since the mid 2000s. And to squelch any possible hot take radio rumors, 
The Broncos immediately went to Mike Kliss and said that they have no interest in Phillip Rivers. Like it was literally 20 minutes after Ian Rappaport reported that the Chargers and Phillip Rivers have mutually agreed to part ways. Mutual uncoupling. And it was Mike Kliss saying, yeah, the Broncos have no interest. They're yeah. all aboard the Drew train. Yeah, no no, thank you on Phillip Rivers. You know, it's funny because I, when I think of Phillip Rivers – what stands out to me is the is the Jay Cutler years and that rivalry that could you I think think back to 2006 the you know the those those Jay Cutler seasons when 2000 I guess 2007 is another one they hated each other there was there was a hatred between Jay Cutler and Philip Rivers and if if you are uh, someone who was around during that time, you probably also hated Philip Rivers. One because, and Jay Cutler, and, and you, I know I don't think people hated Jay Cutler until uh, a little bit later. But during during that, when he had his bare ass on Instagram, that was see, but that was much again, much later, much much later. I mean, you have to, you really have to go to the the Josh McDaniels era when uh, people started to hate Jay Cutler, and and if you do hate Jay Cutler. I can convince you to like Jay Cutler. If you go and watch, and I don't know what the show is called, but his wife, Kristen Calavari or Cavallari or what, I don't know. She's from Denver. Calamari. Yeah, whatever. She's got a show on E and he does a radio spot out here in Chicagoland with the ESPN radio guys in the afternoon. And they'll play clips of his, of him on this show. He's hilarious. He's He's one of the funniest people ever because of his dry sort of delivery, but he's also, he's funny. And so if you hate Jay Cutler, go, go watch this show or pull up some clips or whatever. He's actually, he's actually pretty funny, but, I, but I digress. I think, I think you're partial because I think we have to let our listeners know, Hey Adam, what's one of the jerseys that you have in your closet? It is a Denver Broncos, Jay Cutler Jersey. It was a, uh, it was a, a Christmas gift from my, uh, my wife. It was her gift to me after I bought her an engagement ring. So she became my fiance, and I got a Jay Cutler jersey. And the Broncos traded him to the Bears that year. So sorry about that. So I think I think you mentioned a great reason why there's another reason to hate Josh McDaniels because he robbed us of that Philip Rivers Jay Cutler rivalry for like. 10 years. Yes, that would have been an incredibly fun experience. Now, we would have missed out on probably the Peyton Manning years, which people loved in Denver, and I and I wouldn't want to sacrifice that as well. But that would have been an enjoyable 10 years of back and forth that we would be talking about now with Phillip Rivers parting ways with the Chargers in a completely different way, right? This conversation goes in a different direction if Jay Cutler had stayed in Denver. And so you, yes, Phillip rivers was a good quarterback and, and what I guess he was. A That's good debatable. Buzzy. I mean, I mean, they didn't, did they ever win anything? No, they did not. So I guess he, well, he doesn't pull out. That's what we all know that because he's got himself a baseball team going over there. I, I, assume I joked with my wife. I was like, can you, I mean, it has to be tough enough moving across the country, oh. but when you have that many kids, Man, I think what makes it easier is the money, but 
Yeah, you also could imagine, though, with that many kids, they may choose with that kind of money to just leave everybody where they are, and he'll just go wherever he goes to play football. I assume that some football players make that decision. But it is it is the end of an era in, in the AFC West with the, the, the moving on of, I almost said the passing of, that's not what happened, the moving on of Phillip Rivers. He's well, it would have be, been intercepted had he thrown it. Yes, sir. Oh, so good. That was so good. I enjoyed that. Immensely. I plopped it out there and you expected did. it to perform. <laughs> Doubled up on me. That's awesome. That's well That's done. That's what you said. Oh, we were on a roll here. Uh, but yeah, end of an era. It would have been a cooler era if Jay Cutler had still been in Denver for a while. Uh, but at least we had PFM. But at least we got PFM and we're fine with that. So things sort of worked out. And and they got saddled with Philip Rivers who never won anything. And, and that's funny as well. The, the other news, though, and this was an interesting one you mentioned, is the Tom Brady news that's that's getting kicked around and the fact that Robert Kraft is going to let him test free agency. I thought that was very interesting because that kind of got lost in the shuffle when Ian Rappaport reported that uh, the Chargers and Phillip Rivers were going to uncouple. That, that was fascinating to me because – he's going to let Tom Brady explore free agency. And I'm of the belief that Tom Brady already knows what he's going to do, but I, whether or not he's going to be able to get the money and, and all that, I mean, it's basically the first time he's going to be a free agent and he's what? 43 now he's old 42 or 43. Like we said, experienced, he's incredibly experienced. He's very old. He's a and he's I, Vinny Testaverde old at this What point. I think is going to happen, and I've said this on previous podcasts, I actually think Tom Brady is going to end up with the Las Vegas Raiders. I, hey, I think that would make Von Miller incredibly happy because he just wants to rub his nuts on his face. And so he'll have the opportunity to do that twice a year for one more year. I don't know how much longer can, can Tom Brady fight off father time. I, I don't imagine it will be much longer. I, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the quarterback landscape in the NFL, you have some really interesting changes that are about to take place that are generational changes with, with Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers moving on uh, from their respective locations, more than likely. Uh, with Drew Tom Brees, Brees is going to be making his decision on whether or not he's going to retire. I think, he'll, I think he'll stay in New Orleans if he does, but he's – he hasn't decided whether or not he's going to play in 2020 or not. No, and so and there's that's another generational quarterback that nobody knows what's going on. You've got players like Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, one, two, in the same draft who are probably not going to be with the teams that they were drafted by after this season. They are now going to be moving on to somewhere else. You've got you've got young players like Drew Locke. You've got. Uh, you, you've got drafting, you know, teams that are going to be drafting quarterbacks like a, a Joe Burrow and a Tua, and th- the quarterback landscape in the NFL is about to go through a seismic shift. That until the start of the season, we won't know where everybody lands and where it shakes out and what it will look like at the end, because so many pieces are going to be moving around. This is going to be fascinating to watch from an NFL fan's perspective, and as Bronco fans. This is kind of nice. We don't really have to worry about it. We we got Drew Locke. And I'm not saying that he's the answer for the next 20 years, although I hope that he is. But he's the answer for 2020. And so during all these seismic shift movements, we're pretty stable as as fans 
which is sort of new, right? <laughs> Never since Peyton Manning left, who we've sort of been the ones that have been on shaky ground. Now we're on solid ground watching everybody else get shook up. It is nice to finally be off the quarterback merry-go-round because a year ago, the Broncos, the rumors and the reports would have been, well, the Broncos are going to go after Phillip Rivers, no doubt. They're going to go after Tom Brady, no doubt. They're going to go after Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Taysom Hill. They're going to go after Ryan Tannehill. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Well, that, that was one that was thrown out when he was with the Vikings that the Broncos should have traded for him. It is so nice to just sit back and be like, yeah, have fun with that. I think the other quarterback that we haven't mentioned is Cam Newton. I don't think he's going to be back with the Panthers. I think he is going to be the next quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers. So two of the quarterbacks that Von Miller loves to sack most, Tom Brady and Cam Newton, are going to be in his division. Well, and and Von Miller broke Cam Newton. Cam Newton has not been the same quarterback since that Super Bowl. And so I, I, I welcome that. Go ahead. Bring on the 43-year-old man and the busted-up Cam Newton to the to the Chargers and the Raiders. That's fine. The, the only other team that's going to matter in the AFC West after you do that is the Denver Broncos. It's clearly the Chiefs' conf- division right now, but the, the Raiders won't matter with a, with a dying Tom Brady, and his career is, on, is not just on the back nine. I think it's on the 19th hole. So... If you don't know what the 19th hole is, that's after the round is over and you're drinking beers in the bar. That's got to be what his career is at this point. If the Chargers want to get Cam Newton, fine. He's broken. That's fantastic. Go do that. I'm all I'm all for it. Would you say that Tom Brady is like 10 cup in the bar trying to hit the Pelican off the the wood the wood uh steak? I, I would and I immediately think of Gary McCord uh, giving the giving the stats as he's getting ready to hit the pelican off the what is that thing? It's like a pier. It's like a post in the yeah. It's like a post. Yeah, it's like a big post or whatever. And and but I I do not see Tom Brady knocking the pelican off the post. No, I think he hits it through the window. Yeah, he breaks the window. He might even actually hit Gary McCord if he's not. He might. And poor Gary McCord, he doesn't deserve that. Maybe he does. I don't know. And then I think Phillip Rivers is either going to end up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, like I said, seismic shifts. The the world is is spinning out of control. And quarterbacks, who knows? And it, it, this will really make your head spin. If Tom Brady doesn't go back to the New England Patriots, what I am predicting to you for the last year oh. is closer to being a reality. I don't like it. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.